tangle with that. Sorry, everyone. Uh, might have to preach with a mask on. So 2021, isn't it? The masked preacher. Here I am. They're long awaited. You've been waiting for me. Right, there we go. It's good to be back. I know I've been back for a while, but to preach, it's good to be back. Um, I've just locked myself out. It's going well so far, don't you think? <laughs> I, I want to tell you a story. Now, this isn't the story I'd intended, but it was one that I thought about doing. And as we were, as we were worshipping, as Liz was praying, and Gillian was praying, I felt the Holy Spirit say, yeah, that's, that's the ones. So bear with me, because it's a bit more ad lib than the one I've written down. Um, as you know, our daughter, Lydia, was born um, at the very beginning of the pandemic, actually. We'd, I think we'd been in lockdown for three weeks, I think. Um, it's hard to know now, isn't it? I've been in and out of that lockdown life for, for quite a long time. Um, and, and so it was all very full on, as you can imagine, uh, figuring out what that would look like. Lydia was then born, wonderful beautiful little girl that one day you will get to meet um, when she, she's not very good at social distancing, so probably best not to bring her into this context yet. Um, and, and one of the sad things about Lydia, not about Lydia, about Lydia being born into that scenario was that Lydia had to meet my parents and Matt's parents, my husband, through the glass door. And in fact, she met a lot of people through that glass door, some of you even came and, and saw her through that glass door at the back of our house. And, and I know that this isn't the only storyline from that time. This story is everyone's story. This is a story of disconnection. This is a story where I was so excited, oh, finally my parents get to see Lydia. And the reality was that it was way worse that they actually came <laughs> to see her through that glass door. Because we hadn't anticipated that we would want a hug. <laughs> we thought, oh, they'll get to hold Lydia, and that's going to be beautiful. Obviously, at that point, we knew that that wouldn't be the case. But before she was born, that was, you know, you, you long for those moments where other people, having held her for nine months myself, other people can have a cuddle. And, and this was a moment of disconnection. This was, we were so close, but we weren't quite. And I know that for all of us, there are those moments that we've gone through in this last year where we were so close, but we weren't quite. I want you to think for a moment, in contrast to that disconnection that perhaps you've brought to mind as I've been speaking, of a moment of connection. A moment in your life where you know that it has been so life-giving. Perhaps it happened this week. Perhaps, as we heard, you got to meet your great-granddaughter, grandchild. You got to hug your best friend. You got to just be and celebrate and laugh again with people in the physical space together in your homes. So just for a moment, have a think and bring to mind a moment of connection, of the joy of connection. If you're at home, you can just talk about this because we can't hear you. So. <laughs> and have a chat with whoever you're with. Mm. 
<laughs> you can hug about it, yeah? <laughs> How connected right now do you feel to Jesus? How connected do you feel to other people? In this passage, we hear the word remain about 10 times. Do you think Jesus was really trying to make a point? I don't know if you remember when your parents used to tell you something over and over and over and over again. I feel like this is what was going on in this moment. It's such a beautiful word. We now use translations that say remain, which is wonderful. But the word abide, which is better translated as, is, is such a rich word. It's so profound. And in the Greek, it means to stay at home in me. Stay at home in me. And I will stay at home in you. Not lockdown, stay home. Let's not go back there. (laughs) This is Christ dwelling in you and you in him. This short part of this passage, I was thinking when I first started preparing and I met with Liz to talk about it, I thought I had the whole passage, but cut it right down. And I thought, oh, I was pruned from the very start. (laughs) Okay, that's good. Um, But but it's so much in it. Just such short amount of verses and, and... the same word over and over again, but yet we learn so much about what it is to live with Jesus. This is about learning to live in two places at once. This is about commuting from your bedroom to your desk in your study or in your lounge, wherever you've managed to set up your workspace in this time, and remaining with Jesus, abiding in Jesus. Making your home in Jesus while you work, while you look after your kids, your grandkids, or you hang out with your friends, being with Jesus in that same moment. Have you ever gone on holiday somewhere and you turn up, even in a tent actually, you turn up and then after a couple of days you look around the place and you think, how did we do that? This is exactly like our home. We've really settled in here. And, but when you first get there, you don't feel like that's going to be the case. But it happens so quickly, this, this sort of spreading out, shall we call it? <laughs> Things everywhere, you know exactly where the mugs are, you know exactly where the tea is. This is what we have to do in Christ, is make our home in Christ. That comforting space, that space where you can let it all hang out with Christ. This passage is key to our spiritual formation. This passage is about learning to be in relationship. It's not just about uh, the doing the work of following Jesus. That's part of what we do, but the most important part is our relationship with God, our relationship with Jesus. It's about being interconnected in a connected, dependable, and continuing relationship. The danger, though, is that, and you've already seen it, except if you're online, you can't see it, this, that we end up like this, not attached to anything. Don't tell anyone, but I did steal this off a plant outside. <laughs> I was going to bring one from my own garden, but I forgot. 
and it was raining, so then I had to sneak one from our garden here. <laughs> this isn't attached to anything, so nothing will happen. What will happen to this branch? It will die. It's so, such an easy metaphor for us, and yet, why do we find it so hard sometimes? I just need to be right with God, that'll do. That's enough, I'll just come to church and I'll I'll just rattle off the prayers that I I feel I should say and the lists perhaps. But that's not it. We're called to be with Jesus, to make our home in Jesus and for Jesus to make his home in us. And you can try, now this isn't the right branch for this but I don't have a grapevine. Um, You can try and get a branch that isn't attached to anything to bear fruit if you want. I wouldn't advise it, you'll waste a lot of time. <laughs> I could perhaps steal some fruit and gaffer tape it on. It's not going to do anything, it's all going to die, isn't it? You can't steal from someone else's branch onto your branch. You have to be connected to the vine. You can try and make the branch grow, but without being connected to the vine, it's not going to do anything. And we don't really understand the intricacies of vines as much these days. We don't perhaps have our own vineyards in Surrey. Does anyone? Before I... No. (laughs) If only, hey? Um, But we don't understand it as much as the disciples would have understood what Jesus was saying. This brings to mind, and for those of you who really know your Old Testament, this will bring to mind what God called the Israelites. What God called Israel. They were the vine that God would tend, but they were a false vine. And no salvation came from Israel. So in that that moment, to that backdrop, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. That's quite radical for Jesus to say that. "I, I am your salvation. And at first glance, you could think when you're looking at a a grapevine or, we're English, an apple tree, would that help? (laughs) That the branches are the ones that grow the fruit, right? But like I just said, take that branch off from from the vine. There's no fruit growing. You need the vine to sustain, to grow. The vine does the growing. If, you, if there's not that interconnection between the both, the vine will not grow. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Remain in me as I remain in you. Make your home in me as I make my home in you. This is both and. This isn't a one-way street. This isn't we do all the work and Jesus just hangs out and says, yeah, that's good, you're doing a great job, good job, good job. Jesus is the one doing the work, and we're the ones bearing the fruit. What a glorious way to live. Do what is necessary to sustain your relationship with me, so that I can bring you life. I think this passage is kind of in one way, quite easy to preach on because surely we all know it, right? The hard bit is, how come we don't always live like this? 
How come this week, when I was trying to prepare my sermon and Lydia was not allowed into nursery because she had taken some cowpole, because she had her jabs, and I was thinking, this was the day I was going to write my sermon. How come my first thought was quite ragey (laughs) towards the fact that I now didn't have the space to write my sermon? Surely abiding is doing that in every situation. Now Lydia's home, I'm still abiding. Now I'm trying to write with Lydia typing on the keyboard too. I'm still abiding. How come we separate so many things and compartmentalize our life in such a way that Christ is not in every part of it? But remaining and abiding are actions, and they are not stagnant. They're not passive, and as I said, they do actually require something of us. But thank goodness it's not all us, eh? It's just like a good, healthy relationship. It requires us to do something in that situation. This is our whole lives. This is whole life discipleship. It's following Christ with everything we are and letting him make his home in us. So how do we do that? Firstly, we need to connect Like I said, if the branch is torn from the vine, there's nothing going on there. There's just just a dreary existence until that branch withers into the ground. We need to be connected into the vine, to the source of all life. Connected in, so that that means we can connect out. When we bear fruit, it gives glory to God. So what do people see? Christ in us. It shows other people that we're not just Christians, we don't just go to church, but it's more than that. It, it, it is woven into our whole lives. But just like relationships that are good and healthy, they do take hard work. One translation of the word abide is to endure. Sometimes, and perhaps this is where you're at now, you feel like you're just enduring in your relationship with God. And that isn't everything that God has for you. He wants you to bear fruit. He wants you to flourish. He wants you to be alive in him. But remember that later on, and we will, I'm sure, go on to talk about this at some point. Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. He hasn't promised an easy life. But he has promised that if you remain in him, you will bear much fruit. It's much easier when the nutrients of your life are coming from the source of all life than if we're trying desperately to just work and do it ourselves. And just as a little aside, it's not in the passage, but it is in my talk. (laughs) Pruning happens to everybody. It happens if you are bearing good fruit. It happens if you are not. It happens to everyone. And it happens, why? Because God wants you to flourish. He doesn't just want you to live a lukewarm life. That's not what we're called to. We're called to all-out discipleship. 
We're called to love and be loved ourselves as well. And we're definitely not called to tell other people, to tell God how to prune other people. Just as a little nugget there. God, come over to this branch and um, if you can just, they're they're not doing a great job, but sort them out, please. (laughs) That's not our job. The more fruit you bear, the more God prunes you. So if you're feeling like you're in a bit of a furnace right now, keep going because God is doing a work in you. Do you think that's strange that, that if we're doing life well and if we're abiding in Jesus that we're fully connected, that actually then God prunes us? Do you think that's strange? Or do you think that's much like a good and healthy relationship where you challenge and you sharpen one another? To abide in Jesus requires us to be connected with Jesus. For Jesus to make his home in us, he has to be living and dwelling in us. And remember that this short discourse that we're studying at the moment happens just before Jesus dies and rises again and leaves the disciples with his Holy Spirit. And why do you think Jesus does that? (laughs) Because we can't do it on our own and Jesus knows that. The disciples may have not really understood much of what Jesus was talking about at that moment. Because this was all, you know, before they actually knew how, the, how his life was going to pan out. Even though he was telling them. Can you imagine someone telling you some of the things that Jesus was saying? You'd have no clue. you think perhaps he's gone a bit loopy. This is their rabbi, their teacher. So they're hanging on every word. And I wonder whether perhaps what they heard was, you need me. And you can't do it on your own. So here, I'm leaving you the Holy Spirit who will guide you, who will show you, who will help you to connect with me. The second thing is depending on Jesus. We need to depend on Jesus. We need to connect first with Jesus. We need to allow him to make his home in our hearts. And we need to depend on Jesus. The branch is dependent on the vine. Like we said, if you pull it from the vine, nothing's going to grow. But the vine is not dependent on the branch. The vine is growing. The vine is the source of life. But without the connectedness, we cannot depend because we don't know how. We need to lean into our life with Christ. There isn't much joy in simply following without any relationship with Jesus, because I think you end up in a legalistic frame frame of mind, and all you're doing is the work, without any of the joy and the experience of knowing Christ in your own life, of knowing what it means to be loved and to be able to love from that place. To depend on Jesus, we need the Holy Spirit too. To remind us when you're walking your daughter up the hill because she can't go to nursery and you're trying to write your sermon. That Jesus is who I depend on. To remind us when we've just gone through a global pandemic, we've lost our jobs and we need work. That Jesus is who we depend on. And finally, the the third thing is that we need to continue with Jesus. It's not just you do that bit 
you, you connect and you depend and that's it, job done. This is a relationship. This is continuous. This is growing. You're being pruned. We keep going. Now, I haven't really got much knowledge of grapevines. I did find out that um, they don't grow well in enclosed spaces, which I think is very relevant to the year we've just been through. Um, but, but what I do know is that whenever I visited a vineyard, they are, they are held up by trellis, which has nothing to do with the vine. It's not part of the plant. They're held up by trellis in order that they have the space to grow and to bear fruit. Now, this is something that perhaps we need to, to do here today a little bit, is to think, if you're at home, have a think about the things that we put in our life that help us to remain. Do we pray? Do we go to life group? Do we do exercise and worship while we do? Is every part of our life structured in such a way and the practices of our life, are they pointing towards our relationship with Jesus? Are they helping us to grow in our relationship with Jesus? Vines take a lot of trellis to help them be very, very fruitful because they attach the the branches to create that space. How are we creating that space? In the old uh, way of talking, the desert fathers and the early Christians would have called it a rule of life. Not rules, they're very different. Is a rule of life is how we live. The pra- like I said, the practices and the rhythms we are putting in place to help us to live and to help us to grow. So what's, what's your rule for life? If you've never thought about it, perhaps it's worth thinking about. What are those things? Intentionally thinking about those things. The word rule, if you translate it from the Latin, from which it comes, do you know what it means? Trellis. How are we putting things in place in our life that when we're having a hard time, the structures are there to help us? The whole conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples is pointing them to his death, his resurrection, and the coming of the Holy Spirit. We cannot do any of these things without the Spirit. We need the Spirit to help us connect with Jesus, to help us depend on Jesus, and to help us, most importantly, to continue in our relationship with Jesus when other things are coming at us. Perhaps now more than ever, we need to abide. Now we're coming out of a year of separation and disconnection. And we have more things that could actually distract us from our walk with Jesus. What is your trellis? What structures and practices are you putting in your life? What rhythms are there to help you to flourish? This is not hard work. This is heart work. This is recognizing that our deepest desire is to be with Jesus, but we cannot do it alone. And so I want to pray this morning for us. Can you, if you're here, stand. If you're at home, stand as well. That's fine. It sometimes helps us. We want to connect, we want to depend, and we want to continue with Jesus. And this is a turning point in our lives right now. And it's a turning point in the lives of most people around the world, particularly in the UK, as we come out of this lockdown and as we celebrate being with one another again.
We are moving from disconnection to connection. And that isn't just with each other. That has to be with Jesus. Let me pray. Sometimes um, it helps to open out your hands as though you're receiving a gift because that is what the Holy Spirit is, is a gift. It's a posture of, yes, Lord, we need you. So Holy Spirit, come. The oldest prayer in the church. Come, Holy Spirit. Move amongst us, we pray. Ever noticed how in the upper room that the Holy Spirit came first in the room and then dwelt on the Lord's people? Fill this space, we pray. Fill our homes, we pray. This year has been tough. There is so much to be grateful for. We recognize that. But this year has been tough. Lord, would you come and restore us, fill us, make your home in our hearts, we pray. You might need a little longer to dwell with the spirit so if the music team could come back would you like to either stand or sit however you want to be and for those of you at home we're going to just have a time when we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us once again when we ask for the Holy Spirit to, to come and give us whatever we need, whatever he has highlighted today, whether we needs to come as a flame, igniting us again, whether he needs to come as a dove, giving us peace and anointing, whether he needs to come as water refreshing us. Lord, we recognize that we need your spirit. Come, Holy Spirit.